Good morning. Please open your Bibles to Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 12. A very, very familiar scripture to all of us, I believe. Gospel of John, chapter 12. I will read first three verses. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary, therefore, took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. In this story, we have uh, an incident that happened at Bethany. According to Gospel of Matthew and Gospel of Mark, it happened in a house of Simon the leper. Sometimes the question is asked, why is he called Simon the leper? Well, I would suggest to you for the same reason that Matthew the apostle, Matthew the, uh, the disciple is called Matthew the publican or the tax collector. Remember when Lord Jesus Christ met Matthew, he was collecting tax. He was a tax collector publican. And then the Lord Jesus Christ called him, and Matthew followed. He became a disciple. He left the old profession. And nevertheless, he was still known as Matthew, the tax collector. Simon the leper was a leper until he met the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was healed. But the name stuck, simply to uh, distinguish him from other Simons, just like Matthew. Remember, according to the Old Testament, a leper could not have anything to do with healthy people. They had to be outside of the camp in a wilderness, outside of the city in the land of Canaan. Whenever a healthy person would come to them or come near to them, they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean. Remember the ten lepers that the Lord Jesus Christ cleansed? Word of God says they could cry to him from afar, ask for mercy and healing. So we, here we have the story that happened in a, in a house of Simon the leper. Now Simon could have been a close relative or very close friend of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Why? Well, because we see Mary or Martha was ministering, was serving to the guests as if it was her own house. She made herself at home as she's serving. Lazarus was one of those sitting at the table. Martha is not complaining, you notice, this time. First time that we come in contact with Martha was when she invited the Lord Jesus Christ to her home. She she was preparing the supper for him and his apostles, his disciples, and she was complaining because her sister was sitting at his feet. She was not helping out. But this time, she's not complaining whatsoever. That's a picture of new life in Christ. Service and obedience done in the flesh are burdensome. But service and obedience done in the Holy Spirit, out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ, are joyful. 
in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, Apostle John tells us that his commandments are not burdensome. Why is that? Well, in the same verse, he says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And then he adds, and his commandments are not burdensome. Because we love God, we will keep his commandments. 14th chapter of the book of John, Gospel of John. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if we truly love him, then his commandments are not burdensome. Why? Because we love him. We know this is what he desires. This is what makes him happy. And we joyfully do them because it makes us happy to obey his commandments. So Martha is serving, and she is joyful this time. And then Mary takes the, uh, a pound of very costly ointment, and she anointed the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of Matthew, she anointed his head. It tells us that at first it was his head she anointed, and then she anointed his feet as well. You know, habitually, she used to sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ while he spoke. This was her place, regular place, when the Lord Jesus Christ would come. And he would come there frequently. Every time he came to Jerusalem, he would go through Bethany, and he would stop over at their house and spend some time with them, and she would soak in his words and store those words in her heart. Remember, in the hour of her deep need, in the hour of her deep sorrow, when her brother was dead, the Lord Jesus Christ wept with her. And then he raised her brother Lazarus from the dead, and he restored her joy. And now, just before his suffering, just a couple of days, though he himself suffers, she does something for him. She refreshes him. Now, what was the reason that she anointed the Lord Jesus Christ? Some think it was because it was a repayment for raising her brother Lazarus from the dead. Others say that it was a token of her love towards the Lord Jesus Christ, that she loved him. And this is why she did it. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us exactly why in verse 7, Gospel of John chapter 12, verse 7. And Jesus therefore said, let her alone, that she may keep it, or she has kept it. Better translation, she has kept it for the day of my burial. In other Gospels, it says that she has reserved it for my burial. You know, she could have used the ointment on the day that her brother Lazarus was raised from the dead, which was a couple of months earlier. I have no doubt the Lord Jesus Christ spent time with them. And that would have been appropriate time to do so. As gratitude, thanksgiving for the Lord Jesus Christ, for what he has done. Well, she did not. What if God says it was reserved? It was saved. It was kept. It was guarded. That's the word what the word says, it was guarded, treasured for a proper time, a special occasion. Well, this guarding, dear saints, was by faith through the revelation of the Father. Remember when the Lord Jesus Christ asked his disciples just a few days earlier, what do men say about me? Who am I? 
And they, some of them said, well, some say that you are John the Baptist. Others say that you are Elijah, maybe Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And the Lord just says, now, what do you say? And Peter said, thou art Christ, the Son of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ tells him right away, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, this thought didn't come from your own mind, from your own understanding. This this did not come of your own accord. This is not something that you heard somewhere else, someone else told you. This was a direct revelation from the Father. They're saying what she did in this particular day, evening, was direct revelation from the Father. It was the Father himself who reserved this refreshing for his son just before he was to suffer. And Mary was used as a vessel. She allowed herself. She was the proper one to be used for this time. Not that she fully understood the events that were to take place, but she entered into the spirit of his death. She accepted what he said about his own suffering and death. Remember, over the period of three and a half years, the Lord Jesus Christ was trying to tell his disciples, trying to make them understand that he would suffer and die. They would not accept it. They had a hard time with it. They didn't know whether he was speaking in parables or whether or not how to take this. As a matter of fact, just a couple days earlier, Peter took him aside when the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned that he would suffer and die. Peter took him aside and chastised him. He says, no, don't, don't say this, Lord. This will never happen to you. And the Lord had to rebuke him and told him that he was tool of Satan. Not Mary. All the time that she spent at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, she was not just listening. She was storing the word of God. She was storing what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying into her heart. And at the proper time, the Spirit of God applied that word for a proper occasion. You know, there's a difference between reading the Word of God and storing the Word of God in our heart. Psalmist says that he hid his word in his heart, that he would not sin against him. How often is it that we read? We can read the scriptures. Half an hour later, somebody can ask us, what did you read? Or we, we ourselves can ask ourselves, what did we read? We forget. Why? Because the word has not been stored in the heart. It has not been digested and gently and neatly placed where it belongs. We read it just to read it. She did not. She anointed the Lord Jesus Christ personally You know, she could have provided the ointment as a gift. She could have put it in a nice box, nice bow on it, nice ribbon, and handed it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would have been an appropriate gift. It was a very expensive gift. Eleven months wages. Imagine that. In today's money-wise, in Southern California, thirty, forty, fifty $50,000. It would have been a nice gift. She could have given it to the Lord and said, Lord, use it for yourself, Share it with your disciples. Give it it to Judah so he can sell it and and give it to the poor. Do whatever, whatever you want with it. It would have been an appropriate gift. But she did not. She could have had one of the servants anoint the Lord's head and his feet, 
while she sat at his feet listening to his words. This would have been appropriate as well. Nothing wrong with that. But she did not. With her own hands, she anointed his head, and then anointed his feet, and then she took her hair, must have been very long and beautiful, and she wiped his feet. You know, it is always easier to give money to those who are ministering than ministering ourselves, isn't it? It is easier to pay someone to do the work instead of us doing it. Now, there's nothing wrong with giving. We should give. Those who are ministering the Word of God, those who are in a mission field, those who are full-time workers, those who maybe can't work because of the ministry, those who really need it, we should give. But at the same time, it does not relieve us of the responsibility to serve ourselves. They both need to be done. To actually serve is to sacrifice our time, to sacrifice our efforts and our comfort. And this is something that we don't want to give up, our time and our comfort. So it is, it is easier just to give. And it makes it even easier when some of these workers send us a letter saying that now you're part of this ministry. Yes, in a way, we are part of the ministry. But this gives an excuse to some, saying, well, I gave, and they're working. I'm doing my part. They're doing their part. True love does not spare the expense, does not spare the sacrifice does not spare the pain or effort or humility. Why? Because she loved him. She did it herself. You know, what she did out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ was enjoyed by all those in the house. Look what it says here, bottom of uh, verse 3. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Not just the room. This was a whole house full of people. So even those in the furthest, corners of the, the furthest corners of the house could smell the perfume. Even the one who complained or the ones who complained, they smelled it too. And they acknowledged this was expensive perfume. This was a great cost. They enjoyed it. What we do for the Lord Jesus Christ, out of love for him, as we are led by the Holy Spirit, we do for his body. What we do for his body, for his people, because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. As we are led by the Holy Spirit, we do for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He enjoys it. Honor that is done to the Lord Jesus Christ, our comfort and joy to the Father. It is the Father who preserved this for him, for his Son. This refreshing. It was enjoyed by the Father. It was enjoyed by the holy angels. It was enjoyed by his friends, by those who loved him. They enjoyed it. When there's no fruit, there's no joy. When there's no fruit, nobody enjoys it. You know, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 1. It speaks of a, a, blessed of a, a blessedness of a man who does not walk in the way of sinners, 
nor sits in a seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers or streams of water, whose leaf does not wither, and he brings his fruit in his season. And whatsoever he does, he shall prosper. You notice what it says, who is blessed? The one who loves the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. And he is compared to a tree that refreshes others. Just like the tree that draws from that stream of water. In order for that water to, to help the nutrients from the, from the soil. And then the tree produces beautiful leafage. And it's a shade, it's a comfort to those who come by it. And beautiful fruit. They're saying Mary drew from the Lord Jesus Christ. She stored his word in her heart. And when the time came, the Spirit of God reached in and applied just the right word. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke often of his death, and he spoke of many other things. But in this particular case, the Spirit of God reached in the well of her heart. Remember, she's, she preserved this. She believed that he was going to die. She believed it. She accepted his words, and she reserved this for the day of his burial. But the Father, through direct revelation, through the Holy Spirit, reached into the well of her heart and applied this word for today, not three days from today or four days from today, today. She was led by the Holy Spirit. If you and I draw from the word of God on a daily basis, we will be a refreshing, just like that tree, a tree doesn't live for itself. A tree doesn't need its own shade. It doesn't need its own fruit. It is for others. When you and I are fruitful, when you and I draw from the Word of God, and the Spirit of God applies it to our lives, the Father enjoys it. The Son enjoys it. The holy angels enjoy it. And His people enjoy it. We are a fruitful tree, just like she was. Those who entertain Christ in their hearts bring sweet savor, sweet aroma, sweet fragrance of Christ to those around them. Christ's presence in them can be seen, can be felt, can be enjoyed. R.C. Chapman was going through Spain back and forth. He was preaching the gospel. Sometimes he would walk, and other times he would ride in a stagecoach. On this particular occasion, he was riding a stagecoach. And the stagecoach stopped in a, uh, at a station. And outside of that station, there was a man and a woman arguing. The woman was accusing the woman of something as she was defending herself. And then she looks at Chapman and she turns to her husband and she says, I am as innocent of the charges that you are accusing me of as surely as that holy man sitting in a coach is on his way to heaven. Now, Chapman never opened his mouth. But she recognized the holy man. She recognized the presence of God, presence of Christ in that holy man without him opening his mouth. Why? Because Chap Chapman was a godly man, and he did entertain Christ in his heart all the time. He was this tree that produced this fruit and this leafage for refreshment and satisfaction of others. Because he was a man of God, who drew on the Word of God, and he meditated on the Word of God day and night. 
just like Mary. So the question is, dear saints, do we serve? Or do we not? And then if we do serve, what is the motive behind our service? Do we serve so out of obligation? Or we do so out of love? Do we serve by being led by the Holy Spirit or simply because we think it's, it's the right thing to do? You know, there is a difference. In the second chapter of the book of Revelation, we have a, a good reminder of that. When the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to the church of Ephesus, he enumerates all the good things that she has done. And she did all kinds of good things for the wrong reason. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I have something against you. You left your first love. In other words, what they were doing was simply out of obligation. It became a routine. It was a cold religion. They did it because it had to be done. No one else would do it, so might as well get it done. We know as Christians we have to do certain things. It's written in the Word of God. So we might as well do it. We have an obligation to do so. Now the question is, does the Lord accept this kind of service? In our human thinking, we would say, of course. It's better than nothing. It's better than those who don't serve. But listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ says right afterwards. Unless you repent, I will remove your lampstand from its place. In other words, you will cease to be a testimony. You will become a dead church. So the Lord Jesus Christ does not want that kind of service. He wants service out of love because we love him, just like Mary did. Apostle Paul says, the love of Christ constrains me. Why does he do it? Because he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows he's loved. We love him because he first loved us. And now, because we love him, we will do it for him. And it's not, not a burden. It's not just out of responsibility, accountability. Yes, we do both, have both of those. It's not simply out of obligation. It is because we love him. Service out of obligation is dry, burdensome, joyless, powerless, lifeless. But service that is done out of love leading by the Holy Spirit is easy, effortless, joyful, with power, very satisfying. Lord Jesus Christ said, my meat, my food, my satisfaction is to do the will of the one who sent me and finished his work. Things that we do in love, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, will leave lasting impression. What she did left a lasting impression. The Lord Jesus Christ said right away in Matthew chapter 26, what this woman has done will be preached, will be mentioned wherever the gospel is proclaimed. Imagine that. Lasting impression. A lasting impression on the heart of God, dear saints. Not just people. Heart of Christ. Because he appreciates it. You know, her most valuable possession was poured out on the Lord. And after anointing his feet, she wiped his feet with her hair. 
Now woman's hair is her glory. Now we see what she did with her own glory. Another lesson for us to learn is her display of humility. When we serve the Lord, when we serve one another, it's not to be done in pride, not to be done for a reward that someone else can come and, and pat us on the shoulder or give us money or what have you. No, it's done in humility. At the time of his rejection by the nation, at the time of his betrayal by a friend, this was one of the lowest points in the earthly life of our Lord Jesus Christ. He came to his own. He came to those who were supposedly expecting him. Just a couple of days earlier, he wept over Jerusalem because she did not remember the day of her visitation. You know, it would have been something different if he came to a different nation altogether that did not know him, that he would be rejected. But he came to his own. He came to the nation of Israel where they expected him. There was an expectation of him. They had the scriptures that prophesied of him. Every prophet prophesied in one part or another about him, about the Messiah. They were still in the wilderness when Moses told him, God will raise another prophet just like me. In him you will listen. So they knew about the Messiah. They knew about the Christ. They knew that he was going to come. But when he came, he was rejected. He would not even come unannounced. John the Baptist, again, according to the prophecy, was sent to announce him to the nation of Israel, which he did. And both John and the Lord Jesus Christ were rejected. We can't imagine what kind of sadness. He wept over Jerusalem. The nation he came to save rejected him. In a couple days, they'll be crying for his death, for his crucifixion. Those awful words, his blood on us and our children. Him, their own God, their own Messiah. You know, he was rejected because he was not what they expected. That's why they rejected him. They expected someone different. They did not reject his deeds that he did. Oh, they accepted them. They rejected his person. They expected to be delivered from Rome, from the power of their enemies. They didn't care about being delivered from their sin. They failed to see the person, Emmanuel, God with us. They failed to see Jehovah, the one who brought him out of the land of Egypt, through the wilderness, into the land of promise. It is he whom they worshipped in a temple, whose glory was in a temple, whose glory Isaiah saw when he saw him in chapter 6 of Isaiah, of whom Malachi prophesied that this Lord, whom you are seeking, will suddenly appear in his temple. And he did appear. They rejected him. They rejected the great I am. How many times did he tell them, I am? They, undo, they understood fully what he was saying. Why? Because they, on many occasions they picked up stones to stone him because he made himself to be the Son of God. They understood. 
but they rejected his person. You know, let me read you from Isaiah. Isaiah summarized that very, very clearly, exactly how the nation felt about him. I'll just read it to you. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him or that we should desire him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their faces. Now listen to this. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. This is exactly how the nation of Israel looked at him. They saw no beauty in him, no glory in him. But Mary understood that there was more to him than the hope and the blessing of Israel. Is it a hope of Israel? Yes. Is it a blessing of Israel? Yes. But there's more to him. She saw the person. She saw the only begotten son of the Father who came to dwell in our midst. She saw the excellency of his, of his perfection. She recognized him to be the eternal word of God. She recognized the beauty of his character. And Israel said there was no beauty in him. She recognized him to be personal God, personal Savior, but also a personal friend. When he stood there in front of the tomb of Lazarus, as she was weeping, and he wept with her, how much more personal can you get? Imagine God of the universe, the one who created everything, the one who could have saved Lazarus before, but allowed him to die for a reason. And now he takes his stand next to Mary and Martha, and he weeps with them. She recognized this. Something that Israel did not recognize. Something that his own disciples did not see, except for John, who really loved the Lord. Until after the resurrection, and then they recognized this personal intimacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, many accepted his gifts when he was walking this earth. They accepted healings. They accepted feeding. They accepted casting of the demons and comforting and so on and so forth. But they rejected him because they didn't see his person. They didn't look at him. They expected something from him. And when he could not, or he did not deliver what they wanted, then they rejected him. There are many people today who seek to gain something from Christ. Feeding in the name of Christ. Healing in the name of Christ. Comfort. Salvation. Deliverance. Peace. Rest. And you know he gives all these. He's a giver of all these things. And then some. But really what he is offering to us is not only the source of all these blessings, he's offering himself. He's offering himself to each one of us personally and intimately. He desires to be loved. He desires to be obeyed. He desires to be honored. He desires to be worshipped. 
for who he is, dear saints, not only for what he gives. It is proper to give him thanksgiving and praise him. Why do we praise him? Why do we give him thanks? Because what he has done for us. But dear saints, he desires our love of, because of whom he is, a person. Not just, just a giver of things. And many times he's treated by Christianity, by many Christians, only as someone they go to when they have a need. Other than that, they'd rather go to their friends. There's no personal intimacy. There's no close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what we, as Christians, and I'm including myself, are missing. And this is exactly why he came to this earth. God with us? Not just God among us. No, 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 God with us. That's how intimately, how close he wants to be with us. He desires to be part of every aspect of our life and our decision-making. He wants to be involved. Not only to be our Lord, he loves that. He wants to be our friend. That's how close he wants to be. He wants us to come to him with everything, not to exclude him from anything in our lives. Have you noticed that we sometimes have compartments in our lives, and religion is one of them, or Christianity is one of them? And we exclude the Lord and God and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, from, from some of our compartments of our life. Well, he wants to be involved in every one of them. As a matter of fact, he longs for this. This is what makes him happy, joyful. What Mary did for him, dear saints, we can't explain it, how good it felt just when he was about to be betrayed. He knew all these things. We know that his soul was was, was troubled even unto death, he said, just two days earlier. And now he received this from Mary. This was prepared by the Father for his son. You notice that Mary did not come with the intent of hearing a message. Not this time. She did not come to fellowship with other saints. She did not come to be refreshed or to serve or to minister to the needy. There's time for all those things. She came to express her affection for him who captured her heart. That's what she came for. She anointed his head as well as his feet. That tells her that everything about Christ was precious to her. Everything. Peter says, to, who, to you who believe he's precious. But you know, I have to ask myself a question. Just how precious is he to me? In Revelation chapter 3, he stands at the door and he knocks. He's outside. And he's asking for fellowship. Why? Because he was rejected. He was rejected by the church. And as uh, our brother Bob spoke not long ago, uh, last week, he mentioned that in general, this is the, the, uh, the dispensation, if you will, of the church that we're living in, where the Lord Jesus Christ has been rejected. We do things our own selves. We have a, a system by which we do things. But what the Lord is longing for, seeking, by knocking on the door, is that intimacy. If any man, that means with anyone, 
would open the door. Allow me to fellowship with him. You know, he shouldn't have to ask this. He shouldn't have to ask this. And we see how grieved he is when he says this. And how he longs for our fellowship, for that close relationship. Christianity is not, uh, should not be, I should say. Well, true Christianity is not, like other religions, cold. No, no. Christianity is a relationship with the living God, a very personal and close. It is many of us, and I'm including myself, that had made it into a cold relationship. He's calling us out, out of our little worlds that we made for ourselves that includes part of him. He he calls out of the system that we have gone back to. As our brother Dave mentioned this morning, corruption. Satan has been successful, not in destruction of the church, but corruption. He's calling us out, and he wants us to fellowship with him, to have the same intimacy that Mary had. This is why this was preserved for us, that we may see what she has done, not just that she has done it, why she has done it, and how she has done it that you and I may long for the same intimacy, same closeness with the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless his word. Our God and our Father, we are thankful and grateful for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank thee, Father, for his death and resurrection. Thank thee for his great love towards us. And Father, we pray that I would forgive us for neglecting him who loved us. But rather, Father, we pray that uh, there may be a fire within, a flame within, that we would desire him, that we would see his person, his beauty, his glory, that we would allow him to be part of our lives, every bit of it that we would refresh him daily. You refresh thy heart daily. And Father, we know this is possible because we have thy spirit within us. And therefore we ask for the work of thy Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our midst. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.